Hebrews chapter 10 and verse, starting from verse 12. It says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, uh, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. And so we looked at that on uh, Sunday here, and we're looking at this, that after he offered the sacrifice unto God, he now has the expectation that his enemies will be made his footstool. Uh, that by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And when he says um, enemies be made footstool, we saw Romans chapter 16 and verse 20. It tells us that the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. That's the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. So he's speaking about this experience uh, that uh, having offered the sacrifice, that once his people come in contact with any form of opposition, uh, that God will bruise Satan and everything under their feet in a certain period of time, shortly. So it starts out and it appears the enemy has the upper hand, and then, all right, God begins to work in answer to our prayers and our praise. We saw this, and then he brings Satan right on the feet, and we have mastery in that particular situation. And then he goes on and says, For my one offering has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost is also a witness to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. Then in Hebrews chapter 8, talking about these laws, it says in verse 9, all right, or from verse 8, For finding fault with them, behold, it says, the days come, all right, say the Lord, when I will make a covenant, a new covenant with the house of Israel. And it says this, and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Now let's take time here, settle down, and explain what he's saying. He's saying, if you look at Hebrews 4, verse 1, let us fear, lest a promise be left us, of entering into his rest, any of you shall come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as honored to them. But the word preached did not profit them, 
not being mixed with faith in them that had it. But let me assure you, it was mixed with excitement. Now follow this. But it was not mixed with faith in them that had it. On Sunday, I alluded to something that Mr. Alder during the minister's conference, you know, he just said it in passing, but it was massive. About, and he talked about the faith message and said, look, if you read it, the entire Hebrews 11, we have gotten stuck on one paradigm. But if you read the entire thing, right down to 11, and this is the build up to that. And then it gets into 12, where it talks about chastisement of God and the whole cloud of witnesses. Is that these people experienced, all right, certain things. And the way they handled those experiences was how they demonstrated their faith in God. So it says they didn't mix it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as I swore in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, for my works were finished from the foundation of this world. And then it talks about today, all right, it says, it says today, uh, if you will enter into his rest. And then verse 6, seeing therefore it remained that some must enter in, and them to whom was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Now, he had said in verse, chapter 3, verse 6, For Christ is the Son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. Wherefore the Holy Ghost said, Today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do err in their hearts and have not known my ways. And he says, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. So note that, take heed lest there be in you any heart of unbelief in departing or disconnecting from the living God. So you'll hear the word of God and he says, this is how we know whether you are mixing that word with faith. It's not the excitement that you have when you encounter the word. It's what you do when you get into those difficult places. In other words, how do you respond? God said here, I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt into the promised land. But they continued not with my covenant. So I regarded them not. So what they did was they took, he took them by the hand and instead of holding, all right, and keeping that grip there, when they got into difficult places, they let go, all right, of the leadership of God. Do you get what I'm saying? In other words, it's like you, you have a promise for a job. Now, get this here. And you are rejoicing, you hold on to God's hand. He takes you by the hand. I'm going to fulfill this promise in your life. Let's go. As you start the journey, then you're excited at the promise you got. Then you are offered three jobs. One looks like, or you are offered interview for the real. One looks 
like what you should get. Are you following? Now let's even make it juicier. <laughs> then you applied online and you are given the job in, let's say, Spain. Approved. You saw the Euro mark <laughs> of what you're going to wear. Are you from Zeta? You told people, I got the job now. Not that you are hoping. Approved. So God took you by the hand. You are singing. Came for service. Sang. All right? And all of that. Tomorrow morning was your application for visa. For one reason or the other, this visa officer just said, you are not going anywhere. On top of job approved. Now, God has taken you by the hand. You get to, he says this is how we know whether you're mixing with faith. You get to that place and the visa officer refuses. Now, he says what's the next thing? Are you going to err in your heart? Or are you going to now learn my ways at that particular point? In other words, the man that will continue to obey God, when he gets home, he thanks God that the visa officer said no and said, God, what next? Now we're quiet. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, you are the one leading me. In the midst of this, you cannot leave me nor forsake me. Do you get what we're saying here? All right? So, he says, this is my problem with them. They had certain expectations. We were going to that particular place. Something happens. And, you know, when you're holding, you are rejoicing. You're confident. Once that breaks and you stop rejoicing, then there is, all right, that problem. So, if we go back. Now, God says there, and I want to show this. It is when you get to this point, I will now start writing my laws in your heart. What has happened is, your heart is now open. It's either you harden your heart. You know, if you harden something, you can't make an impression on it. Do you get what I'm saying? If you open it, then God says, I will start writing the laws through which I created this world. I'll start giving you the understanding. At the end of this, where you will end up, do you, are you following saying here? All right? So, God says, I now want to start writing my laws right there inside your consciousness. So, God wants to start, all right, all right, doing that. Now, what happens most of the time to people is, you know, well, I believe God, you know, and, and that's what I say here, that, that we've made faith just the fact that I believe for something, it happened, there's no process. Uh, you understand this? Those people, they spoke about what was their faith, that even when things, all right, even when, I mean, somebody said to me, I think it's travel, it's travel. He said, he went in for an American visa, he was doing it, and they refused him for school. Yeah, he wrote for my brother. He said, they refused. He went back to God in prayer. And God explained something to him and said, go back. 
seven days after. You don't, you know, if they refuse you, they will tell you standard procedure, wait for three months till your status has changed. He, there's a future on Monday, go back on Monday, and the person looked and said, and just, so why did they refuse you? Nah, they made a mistake. But God wrote a law inside his heart, which is more important to him than the visa. Do you get what I'm saying? In other words, this is what you need to embrace about life. If the Bible says, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul when you have found it. That means you looked for it. There shall be a reward and your expectation shall not be cut off. If your expectation is cut off, it's because you don't know how that thing happens. Do you get what I'm saying? That means that there is something, and that's what God is saying here, that you don't know, which means when you have discovered, all right, the knowledge. I mean, I was reading a book, reading a book right now, and they, they talked about the man who landed the plane on the Hudson River. And I read something he said. I'll just read that if I know now about it. And he took off in the middle of New York City Birds went into the right engine, it went off, went into the second engine, it went off. The engines went off. He turned around and went to the, uh, the, the tower, all right, and contact, uh, contacted them. And they said, come back to this airport, which is now in the middle of New York City. Nothing must go wrong or else you are landing on skyscrapers. And he looked at the airport, saw what was going on, and within seconds, he had to make a decision. And he told me, we won't make it to any of the airports. We are going to the Hudson. They asked him in an interview. He said, the information I used to make that decision, everything we know in the aviation industry, we know today because some people lost their lives out of ignorance. He said, everything we know we know because some, if we got the information because of the mistakes of some people, they died, and then the feedback came back to us. In other words, that decision, he said, came as a result of studying the subconsciously, and all of that just came out, and he must have looked, in 1958 this happened, in 1968 this happened, in 1942 this happened, in his brain calculated everything and said, this is the mistake this one made here, this make the mistake Korean Airlines, this is the mistake they made here in Japan Airlines, this is the mistake, do not go to Houston. He said, that was the only chance. Right? Now, what that has come, has came, said it came as a result. So when somebody meets with something that doesn't work, and you don't admit that it's because you don't know is pride. That's the hardness of the heart. Are you following me? Now, let me show you what we're seeing here. So let's read Hebrews here. That's why we'll see that it's the meek that we inherit the earth. The meek. The most precious commodity on this earth is wisdom. The most precious virtue on this earth is humility. Because it's the humble that will get that verse. Do you get what I'm saying? Hebrews chapter 8. Let's just look at it. So, well, I want to see this here. So, this is what it says. 
Verse 8, verse 9. Not according to covenant I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand. Because that covenant was written on, they were reading it on tables of stones. So they were reading it. It's just the same way you read it in the, in the Bible on the outside. Do you understand? Know it doesn't become what it should be until it's written inside you. You are reading on the outside is one thing. That is written inside you is another thing. All right? So, fact of the matter is this. If we give you a book now on how to build a business and you're not building a business, it's story. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? It's story. And any information you get that it is not useful to you can produce pride, which means you just feel you are superior to somebody else. But if you are building a business and you are failing, and you get a book on how to build a business, when you open it, anything you see there that it corrects a mistake you are making is a law that is written inside your heart. Because the next morning you are going to implement that particular thing. Are you following saying that? Which means laws are being written. So what he says is that I took you by the hand. You now got to this particular place here. This is what he said here. With their fathers, when I took them by the hand to lead them in the land of Egypt, because they continued my covenant, I regarded them not fear the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. He says, I will put my laws into their mind and I write them in their heart. I will be to them a God, they shall be to me people, and they shall not need every man his neighbor and every man say, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Now, if you look at Psalm 73, Psalm 73, it says in Psalm 73, this is what it says, and verse 23, I believe. It says, nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holding me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy what? Cancel and receive. In other words, what God is saying is, when I hold on to you, right, and you're moving and you get into those places that you say are difficult, it's now time for God to start giving you counsel. So here is what God is saying. Which we'll you look at this evening. He said, take the Bible as a manual book for life. Are you following what I'm saying here? Don't look at it as, you know, Sunday morning. Uh, no, as a, that's your manual. In other words, if you are given an equipment, which is the truth, that you have never handled before in your life, and you are given a manual, if you don't read that manual and start doing that, you will be clumsy in handling that equipment you are going to look like a fool. If you bring a child who is 12 years old that can read the manual, and you are there saying old age, you understand this? And you've not read the manual, the child looks at the manual and says, ah, we need to read this manual first before we do it now because the child is humble. So you, how do you enter the kingdom as a little child? Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, I don't know how to go out, neither do I know how to come in. The child opens the manual and said, we should put this on first. Bam you'll find out that you have just been struggling. Make, and that's what's going on in life. People are struggling and handling life in a clumsy way because they're not reading the manual as they're applying themselves to life. All right? So what happens is there is an assumption that I know how to deal with a situation 
before, which means it's almost an assumption that I know exactly how to handle this product and that's the pride of man where you want to do I know what to do, I know what to do. So you're done and we carry that over to God. And what happens is, all right, we take that to God and that's our attitude towards God. All right? So meekness, and we'll, we'll get to this, has a much deeper and fuller significance than the non-scriptural, all right, Greek writings, which means in Greek. So when you say somebody is meek, all right, the way people say it is that, oh, you're a very meek man. Now, somebody, somebody, somebody can be very meek. You know, when I say meek now, I can be that, you know, I'm external meek. I'm the stubborn as inside their heart. Stubborn. Are you following what I'm saying? Stubborn. That's, they don't change. Say what you want to say, they don't change. Stubborn. And a person can be one that looks like, but once they hear something, they change. Okay? So it consists not of a person's outward behavior. Now this is what you need to accept. I'm going here. Only, all right, nor his relations to his fellow man, rather it's an inward grace of the soul and exercises that are first chiefly towards God. It is that temper of spirit that we accept God's dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. It is a meekness before God and also in the face of men with insults and injuries they may inflict we take it that they're permitted and sometimes employed by God for chastening and the purifying of the soul. Which means the meek man understands that this is the meek man. He understands that this is what he understands. That if I am rejected, it's because I haven't done it the right way. He's not going to, the meek man when they do promotion, he might have done all the work he feels he should do. They promoted other people and not him. He says, God, you are just in your dealings. If promotion comes from you and I was skipped, there is a reason why I was skipped. And then he opens himself to find out from God, why was I skipped and other people because promotion comes from you, God. That's the meek man and goes to God in worship and say, Lord, what I don't know, teach me. Where I have missed it, just let me know. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
Psalm 25, verse 12. For what man is there that feareth the Lord? Him shall he, shall he teach in the way that he shall do what? Choose. His soul shall dwell at ease. That he will lend time to rest. That's what he's talking about. And his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. He will show them his covenant. In other words, they get to those difficult places and God says, I will show you my covenant. I will teach you in the way so you now open yourself up to God. Now you're holding fast your confession. You are rejoicing because that's how you hold. You don't let go of it. All right? Everything seems like what's going on. God says, listen, just wait and listen to my counsel. I will begin to instruct you. Open the book. All right? Then you open the book rejoicing and thanking him and look at the manual. And then what begins to happen is that his thoughts. Put up. All right? We looked at this on Sunday. Okay, let's look at it again here. Put up. All right? Psalm 18. From 19 to 23 in the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation, Psalm 18, from verse 19 to 23. All right, we'll see what we're saying here in the Passion Translation. So, what we're saying is, it says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, that unto, and then it says, and unto him that orders his conversation aright. Right? So, God says, I will order these things before your eyes, then order your conversation aright. Now, Passion Translation, do you have it? All right, um, it, um, 18, do you have the passion translation? Okay, let's look at it in, um, if you don't know, verse 19 to 20, let's look at it. So, so he says, all right, his love broke open the way and brought me into a beautiful broad place. He rescued me because his delight is in me. Now, what's that? He rewarded me for doing what was right and staying pure. And he says this. All right? So what does it mean by staying pure? So a person is believing for something and he says just stay pure. Don't, don't do any underhanded thing. All right? Now leave, leave the scripture there. Don't do any underhanded thing. But put it back to verse 19. Don't, like you are in the office, don't keep it before you. You are saying God will cause you to prosper. Keep my words before you. Let me write the laws. Let me teach you my covenant of prosperity, don't, don't start stealing their money, don't start doing all of that, let me teach you that's what he's saying here, his love alright, so verse 20, he says verse 20, he says I will follow his no, the next what, what, what's going on, put up okay, verse 20, okay, I'll follow his commands and never stop I'll not sin by ceasing to follow him no matter what, verse 22 it says, for I've kept my eyes focused on his righteous words and I have obeyed everything that he told me to do. That's what we're talking about. So you keep the Bible before you and then you obey everything that he tells you inside of that Bible, he says, do it you will discover that when you made mistakes, you knew what was right. Do you get what I'm saying here? But 
it's what you call you are, you are not yet circumcised in the sense that your emotions are still overriding what you know inside yourself to be right. I, I, you understand this? Look, you cannot, let me tell you, you can't make right decisions in life without people getting offended at your decision. One of the things finishing the younger generation is social media. You are not ready to teach, but because you can now go on Facebook, you start teaching away destiny. What nobody, you are, you, are, you are not yet matured to the point where you should be released to teach. You are teaching nonsense. When they gather all the nonsense, the day God calls you, they will remember the nonsense you said and pull you back and say, that is, no, that man, they, should, they bring his, this is doctrine. You will say, no, 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 I've changed, I've changed. <laughs> So people now just get up, all right, and say things. Just say, all right. So you people should go through. I just I should say that. So, <laughs> so you can tell your friends. Oh. Say so what will happen? What will happen? Is what will happen? Say, but I've been my job. We bought clothes. We've sewn clothes, uniform. <laughs> When they move, that's what it's called the crucifixion. <laughs> as you crucify the flesh. All right. So I'm telling you, you come on Sunday morning, you look at me as I'm teaching. <laughs> then the Holy Ghost will say, This is going to be crucifying. <laughs> crucify your flesh. Crucify your flesh. Also, it's a test for me too. So when I see you and you don't greet me properly, too, I tell go back. God said, Pray for me. <laughs> Intercede for him. Intercede for him. Intercede. Are you from here? Yeah. All right. If somebody says that, yeah, well, they, they move from my divine, I'm leaving the church. No problem. When you get to your new church, you just hear a message. Those who are rebellious, who, they won't know that. They're <laughs> the only going to say, that's you, that's you. All right, go back and finish the work. <laughs> You know, when God has your number, you just be sitting and be taking notes, but your mind is somewhere else. <laughs> oh boy, my mind is And then, you know, if you hear a dangerous preacher, you say, You just go on. For one mistake can cost you your whole thing. You <laughs> 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 just go to that scripture. Maybe the day you went to church was on, let's say, 10th of October. And they just say, this is how it happened, so. And after the 10th time, God said, <laughs> God said, they have disobeyed me 10 times. I say, I, then the preacher would say, you never know when your 10th time will be. <laughs> you know, as I go, you know, you say, and the righteous of God is Christ is God. <laughs> The blood of Jesus Christ so for me. My gifts and callings are without repentance. The wahala starts. You know what the wahala is? As you are driving home, if Okada hits you, you say it's because of that. So trouble starts. You start battling, all right? Well, until God writes. All right. Well, you discover him in the midst of all those things. All right. So let me just close here. Okay, then. All right, second, um, Exodus chapter 15. I'm just looking at scripture here. 
Exodus 15 and verse 13. So the point is, keep up. It says, thou in thy mercy has led forth thy people which thou has redeemed. Thou has guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. So God takes you, and I'm telling you, he guides you to the answer to your prayer. Are you following what I'm saying here? The believer received it, then he begins to guide you. And he's telling you, when you get to any place, open the book, find out what the book says about that thing, do what the book says. You get what I'm saying here? You meet somebody that is difficult, forgive that person, forgive that person. Right? Do this, do what, all right, God tells you to do there. Okay? If you hear something, God tells you, all right, because he's setting you up for something. That very thing you prayed about, he is setting you up and taking you. You get to this, you have some expectations in him. You go to him and say, Lord, all right, pray. And then he shows you and then you begin to, all right, move on there. All right. Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 22. All right. Second Chronicles quickly, 32 and verse 22. It says, the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, there the king of Assyria, and from all other, and guided them on every side. Do you see what it is to guide you on every side? Which means every decision there is guiding you. And that's how he saved you, saved them from this. So it's not just, all right, and just some mighty act of magical power. Right, that just comes through for people, but God Himself begins to right guide the people on every single side. In other words, He's the one that begins, all right, to guide people. And finally, Psalm 48 and verse 1. Psalm 48 and verse 1. All right, great is the Lord, great praise the city of God in the mountain of the holiness. All right, beautiful situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, sides of the north. God is known in the palaces for a refuge. For lo, the kings were assembled. They passed together. They saw it. They marveled. They were troubled. Fear took upon them. Thou breaked the ships of Tesh and all of that. And then it tells us in verse 11, let the mountain of Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgment. Walk about Zion. It says, go around her, tell what's theirs, mark well her bullocks, consider her palaces that they may tell to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Where the Bible says they love not their lives unto death means that he guided them even when it meant death of self. Now, let me tell you what that means. Honestly, I'm telling you this. What that, for example, let me say this. That, that's why even as a leader, you cannot, you cannot, you know, I, I was going to get to it in the minister's conference. I, I just don't know. I, you know. So many things I should have said I didn't, I didn't get to. What he says that, it says that, um, every son that the father loveth, he chastises. And if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you pastors, which is illegitimate, which means you cannot get the inheritance. And 
And so, when someone says you're a spiritual father, the way it shows is not friendship, is collecting people, is chastising people, is is looking at people and saying to people that what you did there is not right. All right, that that's 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 it. Not not to try to to be liked. That's that's not what that's not what it, that's not the balance of a father. It's not to be liked. That's why. That, that's why, let me tell you this. You can't make sound decisions if your emotions interfere with your decisions. Now, this is why women, because women are more emotional, the problem now becomes that when they have to take business decisions, decisions in leadership, once your emotions interfere, let, let me tell you what happened. One of the major reasons for Brexit, why Britain said they were going, was because of the Syrians that were coming into Europe. What brought the Syrians into Europe? And, and David Cameron was trying to tell Angela Merkel that, look, she opened the door at one point and allowed one million Syrians to come into Germany. And they said, these people are not interested in Germany. It is UK they want. Because they speak English, that's where they want to get to. And what made Angela Merkel do that? And the German said, we are going to take you out of power. They said she was resisting it until they showed her the photograph at one point, of a child that died in the, in the ocean. And the father was carrying, the mother was carrying the baby. And he said, he touched her as a woman. And she looked at him and said, bring this open in. That if it was a man, he would have stepped back and be calculative. That wait, wait, wait. It's one child that died. You can't owe one million. He will calculate it. So, women that succeed have to set aside their emotions to make strong decisions. That's why they say that they, they behave like men. So you see someone like Margaret Thatcher. They don't say it. What they have done is to push down the emotions to make the hard decision. That's why you see people like you, which you say they are tough women. Because they have to do that. Or else, if you let it interfere, what will happen is you will just be making errors. So you have to look at your friend like this and tell the friend, I am sorry. All right? Now, we are associated with a masculine voice. Not so. Okay? Now, this is the point I'm trying to make here. I've told this story before. All right? That's why, you know, you, you know, you know many times leaders, because they, they see it, make mistakes. The mistakes show up as errors in people. They know it's, it's like you raise a child, you don't correct the child. The child, that's what it means, a bastard. The child begins to behave anyhow outside. Then... You say this child is a problematic child, and everybody agrees. But they don't know that it is actually you that, that enabled that bad behavior. But are you following me there? Yeah. Okay. So let me give an example. I said this before. I had a friend, my friend, close. So I fellowship. So he, he used to play the guitar. The guitar got spoiled. And I knew that his attachment to and his to his his interest in the thing dropped because that's how he connected to the thing. So at that point was the opportunity to have said to him, leave playing guitar. Go and teach foundational faith. You get what I'm saying? Go and teach foundational faith. Forget about the guitar. That was God's opportunity for me to make a judgment call that go and teach foundation of faith. Because you can play the guitar without reading your Bible. 
that's the truth. But if I told him to go and do, then he will open the Bible and he might just have discovered a teaching gift. Now, recently, some, some rebellious person, I just want to call, but yeah, he went to visit the person in the house. And, and this person was talking about our men of God. And he went to the house and he did a video on it. And I looked at the video. And the man said, this gives credibility to what I'm saying. Because this is somebody who used to be a pastor, who used to be this. And I said to myself, if I had caught this thing 35 years ago, this thing would not have happened. Are you following me? Now, the reason is you don't want to circumcise that person. You don't want to see that person bleed. That bleeding is three days old. The person will normalize. Do you get what I'm saying here? But you, but you, have, you have saved 30 years. Just three days of being in a mood. If you can't stomach that, you can't lead. Because you are destroying the lives of people. Are you following me? So, I say if you make a decision here, and you are not, you are angry, I assure you of my prayers. If somebody says, well, I will use it to navigate, I will leave the church, they will use it, or I will say I'm leaving the church as a way of navigating my position. Look, think about it. The Bible says freely you received. Freely give. When pastors try to stop people from leaving, they say it's cult. When they are allowed to go, they say they don't, there's no love. I mean, if we say you can't leave the church, we must release you, they say they're in the cult. If they release you, they say, they, can you imagine, I left the church and nobody came to me. <laughs> Which one are you? So, do you get what we're saying here? So the truth of the matter is, so blame us for your brother. So what, what, what all God will say, if someone says, I'm, I'm not coming to Listen, all God will say is, let me tell you what to say. Don't go there. Leave him to me. Or leave her to me. Intercede every morning. Don't let them know you are interceding for them. Don't send a mail saying I'm praying for you so it doesn't look like witchcraft. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? But make, you know now somebody said, I will not sin against God by not praying for you. We will pray for you. All right. But people need that culture. Do you get what I'm saying here? In order to develop properly. And if you are without that, look, let me be very frank with you. If they have not offended you in a church, and then you offend by perception or by reality, okay? Because if you say you want to jump on this and you say you can't jump on this, you might be offended and go home. So it may, if it's offense is imagined or real, but you are shall offended. If you have not been offended and you forgive and came back into the street, you are not a member of that body. Before you can be an integral part of the body, they must flog you and then you forgive them. Do you get what I'm saying? Then you enter the economy. You don't even fact, what they are preaching, you may not, you may not, you may not, um, uh, it's a staff of mine, she said, they say, Pastor, I said, what? She used to usher. She said, I greeted you every morning then, you just be walking in and she started, Said, good morning, Pastor. Said, you never answered me. Said, then I told myself, I will not greet this man. 
and I vowed not to greet you. That morning, you were coming, and I kept quiet. And you turned around and said, ah, how are you? Good morning. <laughs> I said it happened. He said, you won't believe it. <laughs> he said, then the next day you saw me and you next Sunday, said, I said, when I decided to stop, <laughs> when I was saying good morning, he was just walking past. The reason why I was walking past was I'm meditating on. In fact, some person went to report someone to tell me, he said, Said, can you imagine? I greeted the pastor. I did this uh, started church. He said, ah, You even got two greetings. <laughs> All right? He said, Watch. I'm going to meet him now. See whether he wants her. I said, Good morning. I was just going. I said, I'm deep in thought. I'm meditating on. Are you following me? That's why after first time, sometimes I'm going out. You see people running after you to talk. You tell them, I can't talk. You, are, you people don't understand. You are processing. You cannot talk. If you talk and discuss, by the time you get to the next service, the anointing drops. So the question is, do you save one person or save thousands? And then you will find out that what that person said, you didn't, it's not right. You could have sent a mail. I mean, someone told me, I've been trying to see you for two years. I said, what do you want to see me for? The person said, I answered. There's no need. Just, I know people just like to sit down with people. <laughs> and after that, take selfie. <laughs> In fact, a minister's conference. Person, can I take selfie? I said, is that why you came here? <laughs> I want to take selfie. I want to stop this selfie taking because you know society is getting because if you take selfie, you don't know who you are taking selfie with them. Next thing is the person does Yahoo. Then they put your photograph with the person. <laughs> Pastor put you with freshly Yahoo. Yeah. <laughs> because it can happen. You don't know where it's a person just takes you and then puts it out. Six years after, they just pull it. And say, and maybe you took it with four people. So you have to be led now. Say, Holy Ghost, should I take this? <laughs> All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word and by the power of your spirit. We ask that you establish us in this truth and deepen it within our consciousness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.